We're going to stick with departures, Jack Chamber, because anyone thinking of leaving the country uh, and heading to Dublin Airport, who's reliant on their own mode of transport, is going to be very stuck for parking. There's supposed to be 6,000 car parking places in the form of a former quick park car park there and up for grabs. What's the blockage with the DAA acquiring that and lifting some of this pressure off? So this is obviously something that's been assessed by the Competition and Consumer Protection uh, Commission and there's a process that has to be undertaken if there's other bidders to that site um, and that process isn't adhered to, um, that it could be taken to the courts, for example. So the CCPC have an obligation um, to, to assess that under competition rules and I think most people understand the legal basis for that. I understand. Well, would the plan be to keep it as a car park? Absolutely, that's what the DA's right. intention is. If they if they um, get the go ahead, that's what that's their so intention. So could it be operated as a going concern until such time as it's sold on? Well, that that's a matter between the DA and the current owner of the um, of that particular site. They obviously put it up for sale. They didn't put it up for lease, for example. So it's obviously for for sale, not not for lease. And that's the uh, that's the the position on that when it comes to the and, and obviously that will require uh, conclusion with the CCPC which I, I get and I, I look I appreciate there are tens of thousands of people travelling to Dublin Airport um, where parking is a difficulty um, and the DEA um, if you look at where we are this year compared to last year around summer readiness I think there's been a hugely positive turnaround from the workforce within the DEA when it comes to um, security screening right. but, uh, but the cleanliness of the airport that, that presupposes people trying to get there I mean, your, your party yeah. colleague James O'Connor yeah. was on drive time yesterday mm. talking to our colleagues he says this delay as the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission uh, considers the matter of the DEA acquiring that car park was preventing uh, is is ridiculous," he said. Well, we we can't circumvent um, the clear process that's there under competition law, and and if that was circumvented, it, if there was an underbidder to that particular site, it could end up in the courts and be delayed even more. Um, so we have to adhere to the process that's there. I accept it's frustrating um, for everyone involved who, who wants to park, but I do think it's important to give balance um, when we're discussing the airport and the fact that there's been huge progress by the DA and by the people who work in the airport to provide a, a much better experience this summer. Record numbers going through the airport. I think the recovery uh, since COVID has been a really positive one when it comes to uh, tourism and uh, the numbers going through our airport. And that's so due, 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 to a, due to a positive operational plan uh, that they've implemented. So can and, you and see this issue being sorted this summer? Well, we'll have to. I, I, I said I can't dictate to the CCPC. Of course, um, everyone would like to see it conclude quickly, but I can't dictate the terms upon which they assess a competition. Right. What about lands the DAA already owns? They've said they can't just open it up like a field, as if it was well, they were running a county fair. But should solutions like that be looked at? Well, if 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 you're to open up uh, a separate car park and it requires um, infrastructure, and um, that requires planning permission, and that's the anyone would understand that that if, if you are if you were to install uh, parking in, in additional uh, green space that requires planning permission and that would be the same would apply for the DA as it does for anyone right. in any local authority area. Duncan Smith, 6,000 car, uh, car parking places that can't be accessed, land that can't be converted at least in the short term into car parking facility. What's the solution to this? Uh, the solution to this is having proper public transport into our airport. And I've been on this show and many others saying we need a Metrolink. It's a national embarrassment. We don't have a, a, a rail link into our national airport. 
the numbers that we have going to the airport are, are, are back growing again. And look, we, we've had that debate and we'll have it again. The, That's not a short-term fix no, either, no, is it? No, 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 well, it should be done by now. It, we're, we, the plan is with on board Planala. We're hoping for a decision by the end of the year. I'd like to see the debate shift to that rather than like we saw like the whole open up your field and, and, and have that was like the DA and the Ryanair having their old spar again it's entertaining and now we have you know Kenny Jacobs formerly of Ryanair now with the DAA so one of their own has jumped ship so we're going to have this entertainment that we've had for years but between the pair it's not very pair. entertaining if you're looking for no, parking no, no but that's airport, the distraction that's what I'm saying this is we have this entertaining distraction on media but the reality is we don't have a solution the opening the fields isn't a solution even if there was a metro link would would that be a solution? Because there are some people who arrive in, you know, pick up, uh, who who needs who needs to actually drive to the airport, drop off their car, and pick it up when they come back in. Uh, it, w- it would it would ease an awful lot of the pressure, particularly around the Dublin region. Uh, uh, if you had a fast, reliable uh, access to the airport on public transport, it, it would it would ease the pressure. There will always be people who need to drive to the airport, and we understand that the six thousand one hundred car park spaces in, in Quick Park that's a deep frustration. It would be great to see a decision made quickly and for that to be moved upon. Uh, opening up fields uh, in that kind of way isn't isn't a short term, medium or long term solution. We need proper public transport into the airport. That's the answer to this. And, and that's really important because there are many areas in Dublin where you cannot get to the airport easily by public transport. So where I live, I can drive to the airport off-peak in 20 minutes. It would take me an hour and three quarters with a couple of transfers and kids in tow to get there without my with, with public transport as it stands. So yes, a metro isn't going to stop people driving to the airport, but it would substantially reduce it. Um, extending the existing bus services to the airport might be a shorter term solution, so medium term solution. Um, the metro is, is a long way off, unfortunately. Um, so that's a, that's another avenue to be explored. I think another important thing on the um, the car parking spaces, those 6,000 spaces, um, uh, the Competition Authority are looking at um, the the uh, ownership of those in terms of, you know, if the DAA takes ownership of those, they have a complete monopoly on parking at Dublin Airport. It's already really expensive. So anyone who's booked uh, one of the long-term car parks this summer will have paid a really high price, um, particularly, you know, they have on-demand pricing. So if you're going away in July and August, if you're lucky enough to have pre-booked your space, you paid a lot for it. So a consideration of, you know, a different, so when we had um, competition there, there were cheaper car parks and cheaper options for those who have to drive their car. Um, and I think that's another thing that the, the CCP are, are considering. All right. Uh, just to go back to your colleague, uh, James O'Connor, who was speaking on Drive Time yesterday, Jack Chambers, uh, he was being asked about the issue of aviation. Uh, he was talking to, to Cormac O'Hara. Let's just have a, have a listen to, to what he was saying to him. Aviation emissions, they're grossly over-exaggerated. We live in an island with people that have always been travelling around the world and, and it's, it's, it's part of our nature, our psyche and our nation. What do you, mean, what do you mean aviation emissions are exaggerated though? They are greatly exaggerated in terms of the dialogue oh, in Ireland. Mean? I think in generally by the environmental lobby, I don't accept it. I think aviation is a critical component of the island economy that we live on, our connectivity it's to the world, to our the world markets. It's not in the Irish economy, it's not. I can't believe you're saying my, my statistics show quite clearly. Pick up my jaw. That's what uh, climate activists say all the time. Unnecessary aviation journey should be stopped. Well, if we say. listen to climate activists, that shut down farming, that shut down aviation, and quite frankly, that shut down the economy. I think it's it's th- th- this is not an argument that's been heard often enough in Ireland. And that was James O'Connor, Jack Chambers, your party colleague, in in arguing for a third terminal. He was saying that emissions from the airport sector are uh, grossly 
overestimated. Do you agree with that? Well, factually, the emissions in, in terms of overall emissions are about 2.5%. So he's correct in saying that they're a small percentage of our overall emissions. Well, the European Union says 3.8% in terms of a contribution and the aviation emissions within the transport sector are growing. Transport's about 20%. In, 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 across, and the Europe, across, the, across the European Union and and, and I think there was there was previous data referenced which referenced say, some of the Irish-based airlines it accounted for their overall European emissions in an Irish context. But I, what I would say in in, it, in in saying that it's a it's a part of our a part of our overall emissions profile that we want to improve upon, uh, and part of doing that is, for example, what uh, Dublin Airport announced recently on an environmental uh, charging strategy. So you you reward greener, cleaner aircraft when it comes to air. air charges, incentivising and working on uh, driving sustainable aviation fuel across uh, the European economy. That's something we're working at at a European level and I've engaged with colleagues on in the Fit for 55 and the Refuel EU packages about making aviation more sustainable. Um, And also Single European Skies is a key European file which is about making air traffic control more efficient and we have a huge inefficiency because of the sovereign basis of how your air traffic control works. In terms of the well, overall what, yeah, point... What about the tone of his remarks? Though, no, I, I think... Climate activists I, as I, if they're, no, you know, vexatiously I, trying to grind the economy no. to a halt. We, look, we, we need to make aviation more sustainable. We need to in- incentivise it to become cleaner and greener and that's what we're trying to do from a transport policy perspective. What I would say though is in terms of a- a- the aviation industry in Ireland is hugely important in terms of jobs, our overall economy. We are an island nation and we require um, ongoing uh, connectivity both to Europe and other international destinations. But we want to make uh, Ireland a a sustainable place for aviation to grow. And and that's what we've seen, for example, with Ryanair and Aer Lingus purchasing newer aircraft that have reduced emissions. Do do you think James O'Connor is right when he says the contribution of aviation to emissions is grossly over-exaggerated? Well, the, the aviation emissions... Are, need to be reduced, and uh, they, in terms of our overall emissions profile, they're 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 a they're, they're a smaller percentage versus other sectors. But we need to make we need to reduce our emissions on aviation and incentivize those reductions. So I think the the comments um, are indicative of the government's approach of of what about and relying on. Um, technological solutions which are not there yet to try and reduce our carbon emissions. So there's a couple of key points. Yes, 2.5% is the global emissions from aviation, but that is an average across all countries. 80% of people in the world will never take a flight. So what we're looking at is, again, the global north, the high income countries, huge carbon emissions um, and then you average it out across and it looks like it's it's small impact. So we have this kind of um, anomaly where Yes, it's it's a small percentage of overall global emissions, but for an individual, taking a flight is a huge part of your individual carbon footprint. Um, and actually, those estimates that 2.5 only takes in uh, into account carbon emissions, so there are other harmful emissions from aviation that bring that figure up to more like 3.5%. Um, we have an issue with how flights are counted because international flights are not included in an individual country's emissions. So for us, for example, a lot of our international flights, you know, because you kind of, who do you allocate those emissions to, they're not included. If you look at the most recent analysis that's been done on this 2018, um, our world in data does some really good uh, research on, on quantifying these things. So if you look at Ireland's per capita emissions 
if you include international and, and domestic flights controlled for tourism, we're about um, four and a half times the global average. So yes, we're an island nation and that's probably contributing to part of it. So we can't get on a train and go somewhere, you know, our ferries are, are limited in where they bring us. But we we fly a lot and our contribution to those international emissions is really high. Um, so it's, you know, it's something that we should be looking at um, unnecessary are, we are, travel we are, reducing. And we, are, we are looking at trying to reduce our emissions. And yeah. Although the, the Taoiseach recently said he wouldn't advise people to fly less. Um, you know, if we can't have leadership on, you know, maybe don't fly unnecessarily. Um, it's uh, well, People it's enjoy their holidays as well. I think we have to have context. We are an island nation. Uh, tourism is hugely important to our country. The, village, course, the villages, towns, the rural areas that benefit. The rural areas that benefit from people uh, flying into a regional airport or or Dublin and travelling around the country is hugely important to our economy um, and yes we well, we have to we and we are Duncan part Smith, of, of ambition yeah. within Europe on trying to build a more sustainable aviation Duncan Smith, should, people, it, it, should, should people fly less? Uh, yeah absolutely take fewer but, holidays but, abroad but if you can avoid flying you should avoid flying. I mean, that's, this that's is the question. Where we're at. Is it can can we? But in we it's difficult in our country because we're yeah. an island, so we're going to need to to fly. We need an aviation uh, national aviation strategy. Do, you know, we we need to actually tackle these big questions in terms of our approach to aviation. Should we be allowing Dublin Airport just to continue to grow inexorably, just to have a, a plan to just keep growing and growing and growing and push as many passengers through the two terminals that exist now uh, and indeed do they want to go on and build a third terminal these are big difficult questions what? I represent uh, the, the constituency that holds the airport I want to see the airport uh, treat its workers that it has now well pay them well be a good employer but do I want to see it grow to the extent that we're actually just flying planes in 24 hours a day seven days a week across three terminals and two runways I don't think I do you know so like uh, you know, what was really disappointing about Deputy O'Connor so sorry do you, do you want to uh, see less air traffic into the country? No, as a whole or just not into the airport that's in your constituency? What, what, what I want to see is uh, is less aviation traffic throughout the, throughout the world that's what we need. Like we can't talk about a climate crisis on, and put it on a political leaflet or a social media post and then come in and say oh well like but because I, I, I want to see more airplanes come in because like, it's in my constituency. That's not leadership but what we had with uh, Deputy O'Connor yesterday on Drive Time was really disappointing. He's the youngest TD in our parliament speaking about the biggest challenge facing our planet and he wasn't just talking about aviation he broadened it out into farming mm -hmm. and the whole economy it was really disappointing and you know if he's, in, he's on the transport committee he's seen the presentations from airlines who they themselves know that the jig is up that they need to move towards sustainable fuels that they need to move towards more efficient flight paths and all the rest so we need to have a proper mature debate about this but that was really disappointing yesterday right. coming from our youngest TD in the and I, I think the key point as well is you know a lot of it is is sort of you know, the economy, it's so important for the economy. Like there, there is no economy without nature and with, with without climate action. So we had a really uh, interesting um, intervention by uh, uh, Frank Elderson of the European Central Bank. He's a, a board member in the European Central Bank uh, this week and they're producing a report on biodiversity risk uh, across Europe. And, you know, he's, he's basically a quote from him. He said, this is not some kind of flower power tree hugging exercise. This is core economics. So we need to address all of these issues and nobody's saying that you can't ever fly it's a simple thing of can we reduce flying can we reduce unnecessary flying Alright well, well one form of unnecessary flying um, Jack Chambers is drones at yeah. Dublin airport they've ground 
necessary flying to a halt. People recreationally or mischievously yeah. flying drones inside the five kilometre limit around the airport. Now, I think when you were last on in February, you were saying that on this programme in February, you were talking about the steps that were taken to combat this through technology. Where is that at now? So it's it's um, nearly completed. So we've the two statutory instruments have been signed this week related to uh to, to drones and um, Comreg uh, where obviously there's um, f- frequency has to be assessed through Comreg when it comes to uh, drone technology um, and they're, they've finalised their assessment of it and um, there's been testing in, in the airport between with the Dublin Airport Authority and the Irish Aviation Authority and I expect them, the drone technology to be applied very shortly. And how, when you say very shortly you're talking about b- before the uh, holiday season gets into yep. its full height yep, very, in July. Very soon. It's Within weeks. Yeah, absolutely. That's that. Would, yeah, you care, would you care to put a number on the week, number well, of uh, weeks? Well, you know, they're, so they're they're like the Irish Aviation Authority would have to authorise the um, so the data will be received from the Dublin Airport Authority on the testing of the counter drone technology. Um, and the, the feedback I received, in fact, yesterday was very positive on that. Um, but we, we expect an outcome on that in the next week or two. Right. And is the, is the technology capable of tracing where the drones are being directed from? Will it help detection? Do you know? It it will. Yeah. And uh, and and actually, well, the, the they have drone detection uh, technology anyway. It's the it's the counter drone technology is to actually stop the the drone entering the airfield. Okay. Before, of course, people even get to the airport, they have to potentially get there on a motorway. And from July 1st, the tolls on the motorway uh, are, are going to go up. I mean, the M50, I think, whatever, we, it was about 140 million was garnered from tolls on the M50. The state owns the M50. The government has expressed its unhappiness about tolls going up. People might listen to that sentiment and think there's a mismatch between the state being unhappy or the government being unhappy with tolls going up and the government getting the revenue from the M50. Can you explain that? Well, look, I, I know it's difficult and disappointing for motorists that are facing increases in, in tolls from the 1st of July. This was deferred, uh, a deferred government decision from uh, the end of last year. Um, and I know, and, and when it comes to majority of tolls, there's a contractual uh, basis on uh, on the based on the consumer price index, and that is what that is what has informed the overall increase. When it comes to your question on the on the M50, um, so we have a national roads network of five thousand three hundred kilometres, and four hundred million euro is from the central exchequer, uh, and two hundred million euro, euro is given out of a total pot of six hundred million around maintenance and renewal of our national road network. Um, so the tolls that people pay every day, and I know um, it's difficult for for motorists. Uh, and that goes towards ma- maintaining, protecting, and ensuring the the roads network and the motorway network is continued continued in terms of its asset value, and that we maintain our roads. Right. So, what's the point in the government expressing unhappiness about tolls going up if there's an economic rationale between, behind putting those tolls up for road maintenance? Well, and, and that's why we've we deferred the the increase on the basis of so that there wouldn't be a full. Uh, impact on people uh, this year um, and it would come in at the midpoint in the year when it comes to the M50 and what transport So it's the old corporal Ireland. punishment thing of this is hurting me more than it's hurting you is it? Well no and, and like when it comes to the uh, the other tolls we have contractual obligations under the public-private partnership some of those contracts go between um, 30 and 45 years um, and that's again to keep I mean, most people who drive on our roads and on our motorways see their the, the asset renewal what I would say 
though, is obviously that the inflation increase from the oil impact motors from July is from August of 21 to August 2022. Obviously, inflation has continued from August 22 to August 2023. And I think in the context of um, that inflationary impact inflicting a further increase from January of next year, I think that would be excessive and unfair and it's something the government will have to consider in the context of the upcoming budget is uh, you know, two two toll increases in a six-month period I think would be difficult for motorists and we'll have to have engagement in government about that increase. How do you do that on a budget though? We're, we're, we're going to have a look at some of those those budget decisions because we're going to be uh, having a listen to Martin Shannon who spoke to us that's the former IDA chief and he has some thoughts on investment in infrastructure taxation and housing after this Saturday with Colm O'Mungon on RTE Radio 1